Hello and welcome to Luminous Music, the podcast where we explore the works of modern day composers and speculate wildly. Today we will be continuing our discussion of The Last Jedi and its amazing music by John Williams. So let's get started. If you're joining us for the first time, there will be spoilers about The Last Jedi, just warning you, because we forgot to do that last time until it was probably way too late. But Which reminds me, thanks for coming back. If this is your uh, second time listening to the podcast, we've only had one episode before this. Um, I'm Corinne. I've been a musician for over 20 years. Uh, I have a degree in music performance. I play the cello and sing primarily. This is Matt. And I um, also have a music degree, but it's in business, so that means that I did a little bit of music theory and learning about composers, but not nearly as much as my wife, Corinne. But we do both equally love movies and love soundtracks. Oh boy, howdy do we. We love going to the movies, we love soundtracks, and if you are someone who loves soundtracks, it would be really, really weird if you did not already know and love John Williams. I mean, he is the literal king of soundtracks. <laughs> um, he has done everything from, obviously, Star Wars, which is what we're talking about today, to Jaws, to Indiana Jones. He did the first three Harry Potter films, like, basically every good movie soundtrack ever. And the ever. BFG. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen it, so Me I don't either. Know. I don't know anything about that one. <laughs> anyway, he's a master. He knows what he's doing. He's super good at it. And he is someone who found his calling in life and ran with it. So we are talking today about the music from The Last Jedi. Uh, last time we talked about Kylo and Rey primarily. Talked about their themes and instrumentation and different things about instrumentation and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and we wanted to talk about Luke and Leia last time as well, but we just ran out of time. So Sometimes I just get lost in the music and I forget um, that we are trying to keep these at a reasonable length. So but today we want to get back on track. We want to talk about Leia and we want to talk about Luke. And uh, I want to you know, point out some things that I noticed about their themes and their motifs. So that's what we're going to do. Now, before we dive in, we went and saw The Last Jedi again last night. And I took note of each time a major theme is played so that I could tally them and get a more accurate count than the count you get from listening to the release soundtrack, which is actually missing a ton of the music, uh, which is fairly standard, but it's like the bane of my existence that they don't release soundtracks in full. And it's not even just filler music that they're leaving out. It's really good and really important stuff, but they just only have so much time, apparently. Yeah, but it kills me. Like, for instance, you know, last time we talked about how when Snoke is torturing Rey, the Emperor's theme is playing. It's not even, like, reminiscent of the Emperor's theme. It's the Emperor's theme. And that's super important, but I can't show that to you because <laughs> it's not in the soundtrack. <laughs> it's not currently available. <laughs> yeah, so eventually one day we'll all show that to you and we'll get talking about it, but um, until then, we'll just talk about what I listen to on Spotify, which I don't know how you're listening to it, but I listen to the Spotify version. So I tallied all the themes so that I could get a more accurate count, figure out how much each theme is played. So I'm guessing you want to know what the results are. I would love to know the results. Can we do like a countdown, like a top three? I would love to do a top three. Coming in hot at number three was Rose's theme, playing a total of 
15 times. Holy cow. That's a whole bunch for one single movie, but it is a new theme, and we know that he's fond of it because he used it in the uh, end credits theme as the very first motif that he leads into right after the end credits. Yeah, it's pretty great. And uh, here, I'll play Rose's theme for you if you're not familiar with Rose's theme, which by the end of this movie, you should have been. So this one's Rose's theme. So that was played 15 times. This is during the movie, during a watching of the movie, not a listening to uh, the soundtrack. So, uh, coming in at the number two spot was... I'll roll, play drum roll, please. I'll play it for you. Okay. Is there a drum roll in it? Yes, actually. Oh, great, perfect. What a surprise. Yeah, it's the Kylo A slash First Order theme. We talked last time about Kylo's three distinctive themes, and this one is his A for aggressive theme. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm sick. (laughs) Uh, So this one played 18 times. Just this one. That doesn't include any of, uh, you know, Kylo's other themes, like his B or C theme. None of that is included. That's just Kylo A slash First Order, that fanfare. That and was. hey, that makes sense because they were a big player in The Last Jedi, the the not the Empire, uh, the First Order. They, they were, uh, they had their fingers in every part, every A, B, and C story in this whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then coming in at number one. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing ever. So, which which one is number one? It's a tie between the Force theme, shocker, and Ray's theme, another shocker. Last time we were talking about how, uh, you know, obviously this movie, there's a lot of Rey becoming one with the Force and, like, balancing who she is with the Force. And obviously there's a lot of talk about balance in the Force in this movie. So I find it extremely interesting that both the Force theme and Rey's theme play 24 times. 24. Third place was 18, right? Yeah. Uh, 15. 15. Second place is 18. 24. 24 times and that's the force theme and raise theme each play 24 times so this uh this has a lot of those two obviously but it's uh, a lot more pronounced than i had even thought and to be honest with you i don't even think that rose's theme was going to play as much as it did i mean i knew he had played it a lot but 15 times is that's a lot of roses lot. i'd be surprised <laughs> if the et theme plays 15 times in the movie E.T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's pretty great. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit. I wanted to just do some honorable mentions, but the Resistance theme... <laughs> and the Rebel Fanfare... play an equal number of times as well, 12 times each. So, I mean, we talked, we mentioned briefly last podcast about how the resistance is slowly turning back into the rebellion and how not only are they reflecting that in the movie via their dialogue, you know, people being called rebel scum more often actually calling it the rebellion. Um, 
and then you know he reflects it in the music as well equally as much uh, you know you really start out with primarily resistance stuff and then he just slowly starts to fold in old re- old uh, rebellion stuff so it's super cool but they are equal um, equally played in this film the rebel fanfare and the resistance theme that makes a lot of sense I totally buy that uh, we, we did see a transformation of the resistance over the course of the movie and I know at the very end, uh, especially when they were using rebellion, old rebel technology, the uh, skim speeders, that you just hear it constantly in the Battle yeah. of the Crate. You hear it over and over and over. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. So, And we will talk about those again if you didn't listen to last week's podcast. Right now we're doing kind of an overarching, like, oh, I just want to kind of touch briefly on the main themes and stuff but uh what i want to be doing weekly is delving in deep diving basically into each particular track that was released um and doing deeper like music theory and stuff so there are some things that i'll just briefly touch on and if you feel like oh man i wish you'd cover that more we will and obviously you can always reach out to us we actually have an email luminous.music.podcast at gmail.com so feel free to email us any questions or anything if you we don't clarify something enough uh, like f- seriously feel free to reach out to us we are super down with that last thing before we delve into leia i just know i'm gonna forget it if i don't talk about it right now <laughs> but i want to talk about how um since we're talking about themes and how many times they're played i want to talk about the fact that John Williams uses a variation of Battle of the Heroes during their opening fight, and uh, you you know opening uh, you know what Battle of the Heroes Battle of the Heroes from Episode Two, Attack of the Clones. It no. oh Episode Three. Yeah, Battle of the Heroes Episode Three, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. It is the hit single of Episode Three. It gets in your head immediately and i'm sure we're about to hear it right now oh yeah so let me play that for you this is uh this is battle of the heroes from episode three That's from episode three. This is from Last Jedi in our opening, like Escape is the title of the track, main main title in Escape. And this is when uh, Rose's sister Paige is sacrificing herself for the resistance. Um, and like the, the bombs are dropping and everything's falling apart. So this is that moment when that happens. both really similar in in how dire they are for for the good guys well not only that but i mean it's literally almost the exact same um melody i mean it's there's like really minor differences it's clearly a variation of that and i feel like that's solidified by the dialogue in the film actually when leia says right after that it's actually poe that says there were heroes on on those ships and she says dead heroes no No leaders." leaders yeah it's it's great it's a great line if you look at it when Battle of the Heroes plays in episode three, 
it plays when Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting and then when, you know, Yoda and the Emperor are fighting. So you've got this super dire situation. All the Jedi have just been murdered. Um, and all you have are these two heroes left who are battling against almost impossible odds. We have the same thing going here. The Resistance has almost been crushed to nothing. We've got the First Order, which has grown enormously, you know, even more so than the Empire was. You've got these heroes who are fighting to the death and they're dwindling away trying to defeat this evil and they do end up taking down a dreadnought uh but and you know at what cost cost. yeah and and john williams is portraying that he didn't do what he could have done and just make some big sweeping hooray victory we beat a dreadnought he followed what leia was thinking which was this is hardly a win Exactly. So I just thought that was interesting that he used Battle of the Heroes, which we haven't seen since episode three, and I've never heard him use it in any other episode. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's another shout out to the prequels. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> well, I love how many he does, by the way, if we can just take a second to talk about that. Just like Luke mentioning Darth Sidious, uh, you know, there are a couple musical cues that hail back to the prequels, especially obviously Battle of the Heroes, but I, I love that you know ryan johnson kylo ren mentions the sith right and like ryan johnson and um and john williams decided you know clearly decided not to ignore their existence like uh tfa did to be i felt that it did i felt it was this just let's stay away from the prequels everyone seemed to hate those which i did not hate them i obviously they have their flaws you can love something that isn't perfect absolutely Anyway, we'll move on. So, let's get into what we're talking about, shall we? Let's start with Leia. Uh, So, Leia's theme is, first of all, it's such a beautiful theme. But I want to address how her music is, uh, one, how much love and care Williams put into the music anytime she's on screen, and how he makes her theme even more emotional than usual, but also how her themes with other people crop up, because she has themes that tie to other people, um... We talked about this briefly last time, how Kylo has distinct themes that are all for him, but Leia has one distinct theme that's hers, and then has a couple other themes um, that tie to other people. So, why don't we start with this moment, um, probably one of the more pivotal moments in the film, when uh, Kylo, uh, well, I guess he isn't the one who actually shoots it up, but she is in space, because you know, that whole he's, bridge has been attacked. And he's contemplating shooting his mother and killing the past. But here it is. So, Leia's on screen. She's sensing Kylo's presence. Kylo's A-theme variation. And then, and then we cut to her. Out. Yeah, this is actually when she's in space now. So it cuts to this. That's a harp that we're hearing. moving through space and her theme comes in really triumphantly 
trying pretty hard not to cry. Shut up. I can, I can do it. <laughs> and finish off with the force theme. So, obviously, super emotional. I tear up every time. I've, I've listened to this like 70 times. And I still can't listen to this variation of Leia's theme without tearing up a little bit. I mean, first of all, I've waited since I was a very little girl to see Leia use the Force. So, just watching it is emotional enough. And then you get Leia's theme, which is already emotional and beautiful, and he takes it up a notch by changing, you know, the underlying chord structure and making it really heart-wrenching and, like... Oh, the instrumentation is so beautiful. He starts it off this really hesitant harp as she, you know, we don't know if she's dead. We don't know if she's, you know. It starts quiet and it starts weak. And as we start to realize what's happening, the music starts to strengthen as she starts to strengthen and she starts to use the force. And we just get more and more excited as the music starts swelling. Exactly. I mean, it really, as she gets stronger, the music gets stronger and it's so beautiful that it cuts back and forth between her theme and the force theme because obviously one she's tapping into the force because very rarely do we hear the force theme uh connected with leia we hear it a couple times in this movie not only this instance but when later she's talking to holdo and uh holdo and her start saying may the force be with you at the same time and the force theme does play and actually in her instrumentation we'll we'll talk about that another time when we are covering that because that's actually not in the soundtrack it's only in the movie but um, it's just so beautiful and it's so uh, symbolic and and obviously John Williams knew exactly what he was doing. This is a really, really touching moment for fans, especially who love Carrie Fisher. We know she's gone and it's just, it's so beautifully done. It's such a good tribute to her and her strength as a person and as a character, as Leia's character. So that's um, a really, really beautiful moment, especially in the music. I really suggest listening to that whole track um so then uh the next time that i want to talk about um leia's theme is when luke actually is talking to r2 d2 and r2 pulls his <laughs> that was a cheap trick, cheap trick. <laughs> where he uh shows the original hologram of leia so this is that moment in the music That was pretty good. Really just a beautiful little moment with um, R2-D2, obviously the only R2-D2 we really see in this film. And what a fun moment it is. Uh, I know that when I saw it for the first time, it gave me that feeling of connection to young Luke because it it felt a lot like that same room when you first see that hologram moment and you first see those two start to have a connection and talk to each other and now you're seeing it towards the end of Luke's life spoiler Um, but it's just really fun to try and wrap things back around to the old trilogy and to, to just almost see young Luke's face over old Luke yeah, it was really, really beautiful. And obviously, it's always a joy to see Carrie Fisher in any capacity. So, um, okay. And then, so I want to go to my personal favorite track in the whole soundtrack, which is The Spark. And, 
cool boy. I could talk about the spark a lot and we're going to continue to talk about the spark a lot because we're going to be talking about Luke. One of my favorite parts of the spark is Leia's and Luke's emotional reunion. You know, this is when they're seeing each other again. So I want to play this and kind of walk you through what's going on in the music. one, I'm going to cry if I listen to that in one segment, but two, um, this theme is not Leia's theme. This theme is Luke and Leia's theme, which we have only heard in episode six. So in case you're uh, not as good at math, that's uh, it came out in 1983, which is 35 years ago. We haven't heard this theme as a new theme in 35 years. And it's only been in these two films. It's only been in six and now eight. And this theme is so freaking glorious. <laughs> I could listen to it all day. But let's try it. I'm going to start this over and I want you to listen to this theme um, and just realize that we haven't heard this in 35 years. And this the, the instrumentation is so beautiful. The cello's coming in. It's so voice-like and so emotional. transitioning to Han and Leia's theme. And this has to ring some bells right away because mm -hmm. it is so heavily played throughout the original trilogy. So Luke and Leia's theme, like I said, we haven't heard it in 35 years. It's so glorious when he does it. And then, of course, it transitions as he puts the dice in her hands and says, no one's ever really gone um, to Han and Leia's theme, which is even more touching. And that one we've heard, we heard that one in Force Awakens, so it's not quite as um, much of a shocker to hear it, but it is such a beautiful theme. And obviously, with the character of Han being gone and Carrie Fisher actually being gone, um, it's such a beautiful moment, and then I love how he, you know, kisses her on the forehead, and it's just a really beautiful um, send-off for her character, even though we don't know how they're actually going to um, send her off in the movie, but really beautiful. Um, I want to talk about one last thing with Leia. And don't forget that that conversation starts with them um, talking about Kylo Ren. It's, it's Luke saying that no one's really gone, referring to Kylo. And during that part of the conversation, when he's saying, I gotta go face him, I gotta do this, it's it's Luke and Leia's theme, or it's it's something else, some some instrumentation before that. 
And as it shifts into a conversation about Han when <clears throat> when he says no one's ever really gone, that's exactly when Han and Leia's theme starts playing. At the moment that we are thinking about Han. Yeah, it's master when, storytelling um, via, star, via John Williams. I mean, he really knows what he's doing. So, uh, last thing I want to talk about as far as Leia's concerned is actually in the end credits, which is so beautiful. Um, I cried when it came up on screen, but it's obviously when um, that tribute to Carrie Fisher comes up. And I just want to play this and then um, tell you why I think it's important. listening to that the instrumentation is clearly a piano okay pretty much just piano there's some strings in the background it's really quiet really soft really delicate um so i don't know how many people know this but i'm gonna drop some knowledge knowledge drop oh, no, I'm, i'll make that a thing <laughs> knowledge drop um john towner williams I don't know if you knew his middle name was Towner. I had no idea. His middle, I, I don't think that's a, a name. That's not a real name. It's his real name. Downer. His name is John Towner Williams. He plays a particular instrument very well. A lot of people just know him as a composer and a conductor, but he actually started off as a pianist, which means that he plays the piano. So um, he's actually, he was a really talented jazz pianist. So that's, that's like the best musician you can be. And if you've ever heard John Williams speak, or if, you, if you've ever seen the kind of person John Williams is, you would immediately understand that he is a beatnik jazz pianist. He that is such persona. a jazzy guy. <laughs> I love that guy. Anyway, so he's super jazzy. Um, so basically what I'm getting at here is I, I would bet money that he's the one playing that. I would bet... I would bet money that it is John Williams' hands playing those those keys. How fitting and how beautiful. He's yeah. known Carrie Fisher for 30, 40, well, I can't do math. Almost 40 years. Almost 40 years. I mean, it's been an awfully long time. And I, I mean, we already saw, I'm sure a lot of you saw his tri his tribute to Carrie Fisher, um, where he plays, all, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. And obviously he cares about her and he cares about her theme. Um, and so it's just to hear that that piano and to feel like I really do I'd love to find out if that's actually John Williams playing it because he, first of all to hear a theme in Star Wars that's just piano is really really first of all rare, rare. I, I, I can't name one that's just piano I'm not going to say there isn't one but sure. we'd sure have to go deep diving for it exactly it's really uncharacteristic for Star Wars which tells me that this was specifically for Carrie this was John saying, hey, this is my tribute to Carrie. I'm going to do what I do best, and I'm going to you know, play this for her. So I feel like I don't know that for sure. That is not true. Uh, you know, that's not a fact. But I you just You can say we're speculating wildly. Not that we're in the speculate wildly section of the podcast. But we're speculating wildly. Anyway, so that's Leia, and I just wanted to, you know, kind of do an overarching, like, I just love her theme and it did play I think uh, oh I wrote it down it played seven times in this movie and that's just her theme that's not including Han and Leia's theme which plays twice and of course Luke and Leia's theme which plays once so pretty pretty beautiful uh this is a good time as any to do our composer wars segment 
Composer Wars. Yeah, all right. Okay. Cool. Maybe one day we'll have real musical cues to things. <laughs> that was a real musical cue. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sure was. So this is good because it's going to segue us into Luke. <laughs> because what I want to do is I want to kind of talk about this new like Luke um, exile music, which reminds me very heavily of someone else. So let me play this for you. This is uh, Luke's exile music and Sibelius Symphony Number no. 2. I'm not going to tell you which is which. All right, bring it on. <laughs> I can do this. I've listened to the soundtrack more. I've seen the movie another time. I am ready. I believe in you. So, um, real quick, before we do this, Sibelius, a Finnish composer, um, you might, I think one of his most popular ones is his second symphony, but he also wrote Finlandia. Um, it was He was writing music at a really important time for Finland um, when they were trying to, like, they were struggling for their independence from Russia. So he became, like, a national treasure, basically, because he wrote Finlandia, which is kind of like national anthem for Finland. I have to say, now that you've said he wrote something called Finlandia, I'm picturing a blonde uh, Fred Armisen. That's who the, he looks like in my head. Now, That's so funny because he just looks like he's got the biggest mustache. It's like ridiculous. Oh, now Fred Armisen has a big mustache. Keep going. <laughs> he just got a big old mustache. Like you, actually, I love his picture uh, on Wikipedia because it's very like militant. Like he looks super upset. Like not. But he's like a creative type, though, so he can't yeah. be all that upset. It, it's pretty funny. Later in his life, he shaved his head, too. So he's got, like, this big old, like, handlebar mustache and then, like, a shaved head. He was very Finnish. <laughs> what, a, what a Finnish hipster. All right, let's bring it this year. Anyway, music. all right, all right. So close your eyes. So uh, you my don't, eyes are closed. Okay, here I we don't go. Have eyes. Listen to I'm this. I'm 100 one. years old and I don't have eyes. <laughs> what a picture we're painting for the viewer. It's Listener? canon. Listener, not viewer. Anyway, go on. Here you go. One more. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play two more for you. Just keep it, keep those in your brain. Last one. All right. So I have to say, 
it was really hard for me not to chuckle because like I could obviously tell the difference, but it, it, the, the similarities are just so insane. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the stuff on, I'm assuming it's Oct2 stuff is just so grand. It's so huge. And, and those, those really, uh, full horns help out a lot anyway so that's my composer wars i basically just alternated so first clip was john williams from last jedi and then sibelius then last jedi then sibelius so uh they're they're really similar they're not the same i mean they're never exactly the same but i just well, every wouldn't t- want that sure that ex- would be thievery <laughs> right but it, you know when i hear this uh i'm gonna call it his um his exile theme. We're going to call it Luke's exile theme. Every time I hear it, I think Sibelius. So I've been calling it Sibelius, but I'm going to stop doing that and call it his exile theme. So let's listen a little bit more to that exile theme. So particularly in Octu um, is where you're going to hear it and then listen to this theme. This is playing when Ray and he's following Luke around and he's not doing anything important. He's like fishing and like squeezing green milk out of some aliens titties, which is he, so weird. But but he was doing a really cool fishing technique where he's like jumping around on a tiny, on a big giant stick. So that's cool, I guess. That's using the force, <laughs> right? You know, it just occurred to me he's not using the force because he's closed himself off from the force. He's just being a, a badass old guy. Yeah, he's just a... Uh... He's just an old Yoda type now. <laughs> He's right, like a mix- but without the force. <laughs> without the force. <laughs> oh, I've seen your daily routine. You are not busy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. All right, so listen to this. Listen to this uh, exile music. So okay. what feelings does that evoke for you? Okay, so for me, when I'm listening to that, I'm thinking, well, this guy's given up. <laughs> <laughs> Which so? is, you know, for me, really what it is, is it is a more uh, desolate version of Jedi Steps. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about this more when I'm like in-depth uh, music theorying y'all. Right, when we're, when we're in the weeds, when we're picking it apart. Sure. But this is basically just a... It's a variation taken from Jedi Steps, and it's just kind of turned into a kind of a sad, desolate type of thing. Um, so that's what I hear when I hear it. I mean, it's more of a like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I see a little bit... I feel a little bit of mystery and um, maybe gravitas is the right word. Because it, it's not just some old coot. It's not Professor Farnsworth on an island by himself naked. It, it's at least uh, a master Jedi that you're following around. So there, there's a little bit of weight to it as well and uh, and mystery. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can see that for sure. And this theme, it starts off really soft like this, but then it turns into this.
I mean, that almost feels like two different pieces of music. The strings in the background are just going crazy all over the place while the horn is doing its uh, theme, the more thematic thing. The point of music, the point of composing music is to transport the listener directly to a specific state of mind that the composer wants you to feel, right? That's actually like a Beethoven quote. He wants you to feel like that's the whole point. It's not to like bring you closer to the soul. It's not. It is literally just so the composer can make you feel a certain way. He's just controlling you. So we have to think, why is John Williams making us feel this way? And who is like whose mental state is he trying to direct us to? And, you know, for a soundtrack, he's trying to direct us to someone's mental state now when it's being soft like that uh, you know really for me i think we're looking from the perspective of ray you know ray is showed up on this island she's expecting this like super jedi master and it's just this guy and he's like fishing and like hiking all day and not doing anything with the force doesn't want to help out his sister and the resistance which she has seen in in very dire circumstances now so she's like what the heck i've heard you're a legend you turned darth vader and now you're just here like fishing and drinking green milk and it's like this is the guy this is the mystery and she, she's got that little bit of mystery but like at the same time she's like oh well, this kind of sucks and then as it gets stronger i feel it's like she is feeling like even more and more desperate that they need to get going that they need to leave this island and they need to go help and i think that this has a little bit of her inner struggle as well as his because obviously he's having serious inner struggles as well but when i hear it i hear struggle i hear inner turmoil whether we're hearing it from luke or from ray is you know debatable and i'm sure only john williams knows but um i hear a little bit of both i can hear ray's desperation and i can feel you know uh, luke's you know, hesitation Desperation is a really good word because the longer that she sits there watching him put blue milk into a glass, the the faster her friends are dying a million miles away. And she thought this was going to be uh, a place where she was going to find answers and where she was going to find a solution to a problem. And instead, she has to double down that that's going to happen, that this old coot is going to come around and the seconds are just ticking by while she's waiting for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. So then uh, let's talk about... uh, We'll go back to my favorite uh, track, The Spark. And we'll talk about the spark theme and like how important that is. Um, So here, let's, let's play the spark theme first of all. Which happens to be the first piece of new music we heard from The Last Jedi, I'm pretty sure, because it was in the trailers. It was Mm -hmm. in one of the main large movie trailers, and we didn't really know that when we were listening to it, because it sounds... It's so epic and so big that it could also be trailer music. Sure, exactly. And so, yeah, when people hear this, they're like, oh, this is the music that was on the trailer. And I was like, yeah, it sure is. You're right. But it's much much more more than that. that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's listen to it.
So that's the spark, right? Did all your blood pressures just rise, just double? <laughs> so obviously, super amazing. It's simple, but it's really, really powerful. This is when Luke is walking out um, and, you know, basically going down with a laser sword to fight down fight the, full the entire first, first, first order. order. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Super pump music, and I love it. Now, I, when listening to this a million times today, we've talked about this before, but um, like me and Matt, not on the podcast, but we've listened to this theme and just thought, this seems so familiar. Yes, it's perfect. It's so woven into the thread of Star Wars already that it must, there must be some reason. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's a few things that I can tie it to music theory wise. Um, it, you know, there's pieces of Jedi steps that it, it is similar to, and there's, um, we'll, we'll get into that more when we actually dive into the spark as a, just as a piece of music. Um, but, what I realized is this is basically, and hear me out here, this is basically the hero version of Vader's Imperial March. Wow. Take me there. Okay. So if we're looking at pure, like, rhythms first, let's look at rhythms first. So let's talk about how the spark starts. Um, It goes, um, dun, dun, dun. Which is in 4-4. Four beats to a measure, a quarter note gets the beat. So that means there are four quarter notes in each measure. So a quarter note in this case is that that beat. Dun, 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 dun. And then of course in that uh, fourth beat you get a triplet. One, two, three, triple it. One, two, three. Okay, so you got your basic, like, stuff there. Now, let's talk about Vader's theme for a second. <laughs> All right. So, Vader's theme is also in 4-4, four, four, um, and it is, you know, bum, 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 bum. Okay, so you're already getting the 4-4 already. We also have three quarter notes starting us off. And then um, the the last bit of Vader's is not a triplet, but it's similar. And now if you turn Vader's theme, um, so Vader's theme is in C major, and it starts on a G. So it's G, 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 uh, E flat. So it goes down to an E flat. Now, if you take that E flat and you just take it down a half a step, <laughs> I'm going to play the spark and I'm going to sing the Imperial March over it, but just like a slightly modified version with like one note changed. And I just want you to hear how they, I feel like they're clearly connected. We've got, the, you know, a Skywalker, but now he's a heroic Skywalker. So it's like this march and you can feel that, you know, that's why the spark is so catchy. It's like, it really gets you pumped. Just like the Imperial the Imperial March gets you pumped. It, it's a march. It's like, you know, it's got that thick beat and then it's got this like really simple vibe to it, but it's awesome. So it's I'm the gonna same play... reason that electronic music gets you pumped and gets you hyped because it's what it's on the one, two, three, four. It's pop music. Every right. hit is a new. Yeah, exactly. Beat, so beat, let's beat, listen to the beat. spark and just listen. <laughs> Sorry for, you know, I don't have a piano in here yet, so I'm just going to be singing over it, but I'll just show you what I'm Using talking her about. Perfect. Okay, please. I do not have perfect pitch. That is inaccurate. (laughs) 
how cool is that? I mean, they are, they're very similar. They're very similar. And also, if you think about it, so Vader's, uh, the Imperial March, obviously it has a lot going on. There's a lot of like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this has been talked about before, like on oxygen or anything, but um, it's really unstable. There's a lot. It's in the key of C major, but then there's like a billion accidentals. There's a bunch of sharps and flats in random places. And it's really obviously very good, very iconic, but it is a very strange piece of music. You know, it, it, being in C major and having that many accidentals is it's unstable Unusual. which is exactly you know the dark side of the force is unstable so it's beautiful that way as well i mean gosh john williams is a genius but anyway this i feel like john williams sat down and he thought okay we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing luke skywalker who is literally the hero of like the overarching saga and we've been following the skywalkers this whole time you know in the original trilogy you know we really follow his story in the prequels we're following his father's story and uh, that's you know where we really like get vader's theme from and you know we're looking at the end of an era here so i'm thinking okay i'm gonna speculate wildly here for a second i'm thinking i'm john williams and I'm sitting there, and I'm in my jazzy black turtleneck, and I think, what's a super good way to have this iconic character <laughs> go out and face down this whole First Order? Well, I could take, you know, his father's theme, his march, and just make it triumphant and heroic. Which is exactly what I would do. It seems like a pretty uh, decent path to follow, and uh, it paid off gangbusters. I feel like it's it stems from Vader's theme. I could be wrong. Maybe I mean, if you feel like I'm super reaching there, by all means, let me know. But I, when I hear this, I think this is just a heroic Imperial March, and you can't. I mean, listen to it. Listen to it one more time. drums a lot of brass basically all the same things that are in the imperial march essentially he is marching i mean you, you there if there's one of him or if there was a thousand of him lined up and marching that music still works exactly the same way it's it's um they're uh, rattling the sabers, as they say. There, he's he's about to walk out and face the first order. It's it is Luke's whole lot in life has been to balance the Force. He kills the Emperor, and Vader is saved, and then also dies. And he says in this movie that the Force felt balanced for a time until 
the appearance of Kylo Ren, the appearance of Ben Solo. And now he is doing it yet again. He is doing what he can to rebalance the force. And this is his death march to finish what he started. There are clues that John Williams gives you. This is called the spark. And everyone's always talking about, I mean, literally right before this, Leia goes, oh yeah, I guess the spark is out. I guess there's no hope left in the galaxy. We're talking about this being the spark of hope that literally burns down the First Order eventually. And, you know, we see how far-reaching this is, you know, by just that last scene of the the children talking about it. I mean, this is him reigniting hope in the galaxy. There was literally no hope. There were like 30 people left. (laughs) This is hopeless. The rebellion is crushed. Everything is going horribly for them. Every single person failed in this movie. And not just like small failures. We're talking miserable horrible failures and like there's no reason for them to go on and then last second we've got the the like jedi master shows up at the last second and literally is ready to face down the first order with a laser sword i mean there's nothing that'll instill hope faster than that so you know that's what this theme is about it's about him going out there being triumphant and you know going to head to head so that the resistance or now the rebellion can live it's pretty cool stuff Really cool stuff. All right, let's finish off with our speculate wildly. Speculate wildly! Oh, good, we're gonna keep that. Yeah, I thought that was already determined. Oh, uh, no, yeah, it was last week. Yeah, That's why exactly. We did it. That's mm-hmm. why I did it. That's why I'm gonna continue to do it every single podcast. Speculate wildly! So, this week on Speculate Wildly, I thought you could tell us. If Star Wars was, instead of an eight-movie saga currently, what if it were an eight-course meal? What would each movie be? Mm. Episode one. Water. <laughs> oh, okay. You gotta, you gotta cleanse the palate. Swish, 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 and spit. I got it. Listen, there is a lot of water in episode one. Listen, I absolutely love episode one, so this is not meant to be... Um, downing on it but most people agree that you don't really need it story-wise it's not actually important but for me i feel like it's vastly important but not a whole lot of substance (laughs) so all right like water like water so you gotta have it but yeah episode two attack of the clones a light fruit bowl Maybe I'm just thinking of pears. Well, it's sugary. I like it. I like it. Uh, the the relationship between Padme and... And, you know, he feeds her pears in the really awkward scene. Oh, yeah. And he so cuts I'm, it I'm with the force. Pears. That's good. All right. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Um, I'm uh, I'm uh, not a meat eater, but that'd be like the, the bloodiest of steaks. <laughs> wow. Course three is a bloody steak. It's true, it's not. It's not a well-organized meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's acceptable. But it's fine. It's an eight-course meal. It's like uh, going to any, like, like Golden Corral and just grabbing <laughs> random things. It's a buffet. <laughs> We're looking at a Star Wars buffet here. I'm not going to do an in-order if I'm eating a Star Wars buffet either. Exactly. Great. Episode four, A New Hope. <sighs> Episode four is like, have you ever had, like, a really good salad, but not, like, a boring salad, like, a really good salad and it's got, like... Like a, like a like a taco salad and it's got like tortilla strips that are yeah. fancy on there and like a, a wedge of lime and some avocado or like some big old like 
guacamole chunks. It's the salad that the waiter convinced you to get, and you're like, well, I guess. You're not really excited about it, but you know that it was a good choice that you made. And then it comes, and everyone else is jealous of your food. Yeah, it, like, feels good after you eat it. You're like, I feel good eating that. It was so light and delightful. And then every time you go back to that restaurant, you get it again. Because it's so beautiful. Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. What's my favorite food? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sushi. uh, Yeah, it's like like the most perfect sushi roll. Mm. It's just super well-organized and beautiful-looking. And you'll love it so much, and you'll go back to it again and again, and you'll crave it fortnightly. That's good. Thank I do you. crave it fortnightly, every night. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just quoting an old movie. Anyway. Ah, uh, gotcha. Episode six, Return of the Jedi. Hmm. Episode six is like... <laughs> it's like the lighter, crappier salad. It's like, don't get me wrong, I love episode six, (laughs) but I feel like it's like lettuce in a bowl with like some balsamic vinegar and some cucumber. (laughs) But, but also like everyone knows the, the, the restaurant knows that everyone loves hamburgers. So they just like threw a patty in there. Cause there's like a really good section that's just like thrown in there. (laughs) Like why did you put the hamburger patty in there? There's like a, there's like a side of split pea soup for for some reason. (laughs) It's like delicious soup, but like, you don't know why it's there. (laughs) You don't know why the Z-Walks are there. No, the pea soup, honey. Pea soup, pea soup. We're talking about pea soup. Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Okay, that one's like um, a side of really good rosemary french fries. Ooh, yeah. It's like super safe, but it's like you know there's something meatier coming, but like it's still really good, and it's like literally the safe option. Like everyone loves french fries. And if the place started to burn down and you had to leave, you'd be like, well, at least I got those fries. Those were some delicious fries. Exactly. Like, oh man, those fries were so good. I've definitely had those fries before, but they are so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Episode eight. Episode eight. Okay, this is what I picture. I picture like the most delicious burrito you've ever had and it's like on a platter with like enchilada sauce covering it and it's got like guacamole it's a wet burrito burrito, and it's like super satisfying but there's like a ton of ingredients and it takes you like a while to eat like it's super big yeah like you have to take half of it home and eat it the next day (laughs) yeah (laughs) and maybe um when you went and ate it the first time you didn't think it was that good of a burrito (laughs) and then for some reason someone convinced you to try it again and then for some reason you went back and realized oh this is the best burrito i've ever had in my life maybe it's 30 years later i don't know but but you know and i know that that's the best burrito you ever had (laughs) well now i want burritos (laughs) we're gonna go get burritos after this so we're gonna take a short break for no i'm just kidding uh okay uh wait what about uh rogue one oh now i'm on the spot sucker well it's gotta be a food that makes that has nothing to do with the rest of those foods it's like a palate cleansing sorbet like in Princess Diaries, when they have a palate cleansing sorbet and she eats too much, and then it's like a whole fiasco. I made you watch this movie. Next I week, know you've we're going to talk about the Princess Diaries soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's like orange chicken. 
Hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm not even going to explain it. Oh, okay. Well, this was a great episode. (laughs) Thanks for joining us again. We're going to be making one every week. They should be released every Monday. If you have any questions, please, please send us an email at luminous.music.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback um, if we're doing what you would like. I know that a lot of people have been talking about how they have like a hole in their heart since Oxygen hasn't been playing. There's a hole in our heart too. We understand. But we just couldn't wait anymore to talk about this. So we decided to do it ourselves. So if you uh, have any questions, obviously reach out to us. We'd love to hear your feedback. And uh, join us next week where I'm going to be really just diving in track by track. So we're going to be talking about the first track, the main title, um, and Escape. Um, And if I have time, I'll dive into more. But we're going to be getting into, like, the deeper music theory of things. Um, So, you know, uh, it should be pretty exciting. Thanks so much for joining us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars and comment when you can. Oh, 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 oh,